want to deal with the topic this morning, knowing the will of the Lord. As we look in this great book of Acts, uh, our teacher this morning will be Paul. For our time of reading this morning, we looked in the 21st chapter. But I want to give us a little bit more background. And so I'm going to have us start in 19th chapter, looking at verse 21. And then we'll go to the 20th chapter, looking at verses 22 to 24. Still going to be right there in Acts. But to see how Paul has come to make up his mind in this 21st chapter, what he went through in the previous. Those who are able to stand in the honor of reading of God's word, please do so. Uh, those who are still searching, have not found, just say, hold on. Well, praise the Lord. Let us begin together. Acts 19 chapter, starting at verse 21, then I'll be at chapter 20, looking at verses 22, 23, and 24. I'm reading from the New International uh, Version, and it reads this way, Acts 19 chapter, verse 21. After all this had happened, Paul decided or purposed in his spirit to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. Chapter 20, picking up at verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Then to chapter 21, looking at again, verse 13 and 14. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When, we, when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Praise God for his words. You may be seated. If you can help me announce this to your neighbor, just announce to your neighbor, just tell them the Lord's will be done. Tell your other neighbor in case they missed it, tell them the Lord's will be done. If you could just look up and just put your hand on your own heart and just look up and say the Lord's will be done. One way that we can say the Lord's will be done is, first of all, we have to know his will. (laughs) 
I had to go back to look at Paul and find out how he could make up his mind, no matter how people warned him, told him not to go, that he made up his mind that I am willing to go. Knowing God's will, first of all, means you need to rely on God. Tell you to rely on God. To rely on God means to depend on him with full confidence. Tell you that with full confidence. That means you're not halfway in, halfway out. No, you are all the way in. If you, you know, it's summertime, and know summertime, people like to go into the pool. And, and the thing is, is that when it's hot outside, it's cool in the pool. But yet, if you don't go in, you won't know how to be refreshed. And then even when you just stick your feet in, you know, it's not the same. And then when you get in, but you don't put your head under, your body still has not caught up to how cool it be. So you got to dig the head and you got to go all the way in just for your body to cool it. You got to go all the way. I tell you, you got to go all the way. Paul was willing to go all the way. How do we know he was willing to go all the way? First and foremost, he's pointing out that he has already made up his mind to go to Jerusalem. Secondly, he found out that no matter the city he goes to, the Holy Spirit speaks to him. The Holy Spirit lets him know that you might go to prison. Your life might be in danger. And he says that happened to him in every city he went to. But yet it did not stop him to go into the city. Why, why, why is that? Well, first of all, if he didn't catch it, look what it's saying. There. He said the Holy Spirit spoke to him. It's pointing out to us that he has such a connection with God that he was trusting in God and trusting in the Holy Spirit Say, I must finish what I begin. That's why we find in many of Paul's writings how he is persuaded, he's convinced of many things. Why is that? Because he's fully relying on God. When you are relying on God, you don't rely on other people to tell you what God has for you. Because they don't know what you know. And if God has it for you, I guarantee he will show it to you. Because if God wants you to be somewhere in a certain place at a certain time, I think he knows how to get your attention. And Paul realized that because, do you understand, he was on his way to Damascus. (laughs) He he was on his way to go and do something that was not of God. God said, let me help him out. And knocked him down and woke him up and then found out that he was kicking against the pricks. He says, what am I doing? He says, you have been persecuting me. Once Paul woke up and says, I want to change it, he prepared somebody to teach him everything he needed to know. But Paul realized that God made it clear to him on the calling upon his life. And God prepared it for him to be accepted to the same ones he was persecuting. So Paul had to learn how to rely on God. Relying on God means that when others are against you, you know who's with you. There's people that, ne- that neglected his calling, but yet the encourager came and says, I know him, and I can vouch for him. I want you to understand that when you rely on God, God knows how to send people by your side to encourage you to do what you need to do. Relying on God meaning that you will face people that are against you, but yet you realize that greatest he that's in us. That he that's in the world, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. You know what all those things have in common? They came from Paul, because Paul knows how to rely on God. 
So relying on God meaning that you will, you will secondly revere God. To rely on him means to revere him. To revere him means to respect him, to place him above everybody else. Think about it for a moment. We have people that idolize athletes. When they idolize athletes, they, they try to mimic them. They wear their numbers. They try to play like them. They buy their products, but they don't want to be like them. They want to play like them and get with that, but they don't want to be like them. I remember there's someone that used to like Allen Iverson. I says, okay, they like, then once Allen Iverson's problems came out, I said, I don't like Allen Iverson. <laughs> and that's what happens, that many of our stars are people idolized, but when they find out who they are, they, they, they change their perception of who they are. Because idolizing is one thing, but yet when you revere somebody, you, you do everything they do. When we revere God, we realize that what he says is truth. Everything else must be a lie. Because if God says this is right, then this is right. So when somebody else comes and combats and fights against us, what the word of God says, you can say, no, I am going to do what God says. Why is that? Because I rely on God and I revere him. That's why we can be more like Jesus says, not my will be done, but thy will be done. That we can go back and say, I heard what you said. I heard what they said. But let me see what the word says. Why? Because I revere God. That's why we have it in our Bible. I will hide God's word in my heart that I might not sin against him. I want to place it in a special position in my life so that everybody that sees me and knows me sees the word in me. Because when I rely on God, I revere him. When I revere him, I do things that honor him. So to know his will, I have to what? Rely on him and revere him. Rely on him meaning I trust him with my life. Do we not see Paul trusting the Holy Spirit with his life? Do you not see him revering what God says more? He says, I must complete. I must complete my task. I must finish telling everybody that I can the good news of God's grace. And then not only do we rely on God, we revere God. I tell your neighbor, you renounce. You renounce your life. <laughs> oh, yeah, y'all quiet on me. In order for me to fully do God's will, I can no longer do my will. Y'all quiet on me. That means I don't have to be longer on this point, so I'm almost done. But I got to be long because y'all quiet on me. Seems like y'all not catching on to. To renounce means to formally declare one's abandonment, to refuse to recognize or abide any longer, or to reject and, and stop using or consuming. Let's flesh this out a little bit. To formally declare one, uh, one's uh, uh, or abandonment means this, I formally have to declare to others that no longer do I live for myself, but I live for others. In this process that I will abandon my ego, my pride, my selfish living now to live for the Lord. To refuse or to recognize or to abide any longer means I refuse to recognize my fleshly desires, but I abide to the spirit. Or to reject or stop using or reject. Some of us have some issues, some sin issues in our life that need some rejecting. 
We need to reject some cursing, some lustful eyes, some gossiping, some backstabbing and, and backbiting and realize I need to reject these things and start embracing and using and consuming what the spirit is out. The spirit likes love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, uh, kind, meekness, uh, self-control against such things. There is no law. Y'all need some help. Go back to Galatians 5, 22. That's the fruit of the spirit. And when you know the fruit of the spirit, you are able to pr- project and consume the things that honor. God. But if you go back a few verses earlier in Galatians, it says the ways of the sinful man is obvious. It's known. It's, it's, it's manifested that these things, and it goes on about sexual immorality, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, witchcraft, bestiality, anything and everything that you know is wrong, you know is wrong, but yet you are feeding yourself. Then how can you say, I'm doing this and living for God? No, I must reject this so I can live for God. That's like someone locked up in prison saying, I'm free. Something doesn't add up here. How are you free, but you locked up in prison? Something, something does not equate here. How is it that we say we're free from sin, but we're living in sin? Something does not equate here. And so in a process of knowing his will, I have to rely on him, revere him, and renounce my self. Brings us to the text. And look at Paul. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. He has already made up his mind to go through Macedonia to Jerusalem and even Rome. He shares with them in 20th chapter and and he talks to the elders in Ephesus. I'm about to leave. So look, 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 you can't blame me if things go wrong. He said, I've done my job. I'm paraphrasing. Read it for yourself. You know what? Like how I'm saying, but I'm paraphrasing right now. He said, I've done my job. So your blood will not be on my hands if you leave what I've taught you. Because I taught you correctly. So therefore, he says them to be a careful overseers of the blood-washed sheep of God. And then, and then they, he told them that I might not see any of you again. And they hugged on him and loved on him, saying, man, this guy's great. He's, but he's leaving us. We may not see him again. So he's on his way, and they don't want him to go because they seen. They say, we've seen the great things you've done. If you go back a little bit earlier, they said this, that miraculous works were happening in Ephesus, that they were taking his apron and hanging the things that touched his skin that passed around people being healed. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I had to read it again and again and say, say what now? You mean a towel touched his skin... And they kept it to pass it out to somebody so that they could be healed. And I looked closer again. I found out there was no feet. They didn't charge no five ninety nine to get this handkerchief. They didn't say you had to be here at this time to get this handkerchief. They didn't say any of that stuff. It says that whatever happened to touch him, they passed it around. So they saw miraculous things happen, that I'll be just like them. Don't leave yet. But Paul said, no, my spirit has convicted me, has persuaded me, has shown me that I must go. Now look how he makes his way on his way there. He's at Philip's house. And Philip, we know Philip's one of the seven, and they're staying there. But obviously a prophet comes by there. This prophet's reintroduced to us. You can find him earlier that he came down as well, too. And he comes down and takes, look, this is what I like about this prophet, too. This prophet says, I'm not taking my belt. <laughs> Give me your belt. Huh? <laughs> and, and, and so he takes Paul's belt and shows him what's going to happen to him. 
says, this is what's going to happen to you when you go to Jerusalem. If you look closely here, Paul is already aware of this. He says, I, I'm told it's every city I go to. He says the Holy Spirit tells him every city he goes to, he's going to get bound, may go into prison, may even cause a lie. So to him, this was nothing new. Let me help you out. When you're doing the will of God, people can't tell you something new. Because if you're doing what he's already told you to do, they're only going to confirm what you already know. And so if you're doing what God has called you to do, they're only going to confirm what you're doing when they are listening to the Spirit. So he didn't tell Paul anything wrong, did he? Say, Paul, it's going to happen. He said, well, <laughs> that's good. But yet those who were not truly surrendering to letting Paul be used said to Paul, don't go. That's another problem we have in our Christian walk. That when we have renounced, we, don't want, we have not always renounced for other people. We try to tell everybody, no, nah, I want to hold on to you a little bit longer. But no, 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 we don't live for each other. We live for his will. And so they, you can see their intentions meant well. They love Paul, so they don't want to see any hardship come upon him. So they say, man, don't go. But look what he is convinced on. When he has renounced, he has renounced this. Look what he says there. He says, why are you weeping? Why are you crying? He says, I am ready. What are you ready for, Paul? I'm ready to be bound. What, what, why, why, Paul, are you ready to be bound? Because it's for the Lord. But I, I, I'm not going to stop there. Not only am I ready to be bound, I'm ready to die. That is so gripping. That Paul realized that I am ready to be bound. And I'm ready to die. Why? Because he's renounced his life. He no longer lives for himself. And when you look at it, that's why Paul's able to write for us what? To be in Christ, to become a new creation, build all things past, build all things become new. That's why he was able to write to Timothy, I finished the, I finished the race, I fought the good fight. Because he understood how to be living his life as a true living sacrifice. For us to be there, because look how Paul was able to get there, because why? He already knew he's doing the will of God. If I'm doing the will of God, these things are going to come. Because every time I went to the city, the Holy Spirit told me this. So that might have been like a radar to me that I'm in the right place. They're coming after me. I'm in the right place. <laughs> and that's how we ought to be as Christians, that we need to find out, am I in the right place? How can I find out I'm in the right place? Just start mentioning Jesus. See how many people run away or how many people come close? Because as you know, you know this, you know this, that there's certain places that you are hesitant to lift up your faith because you're scared, timid of what my people might say to you. And the reason why, because our society has become so easily offended of Christianity. Christianity is popular to admit to, but not popular to truly live out. You can be a Christian and still live as anybody on a reality TV show, but claim to be a Christian. You're a good person. But is that what Christ calls us to do? Christ says, if you want to live for me, you must die. 
But we have people that say, I'm a Christian, but I'm living for myself. It does not add up. And so, therefore, they are outside the will of God because the will of God requires us to rely on him, to revere him, and to renounce ourselves. And you look at Paul. Paul tells them to the people that you have good intentions. You desire that the will of God be done. That's great. But the will of God has already confirmed upon my spirit and purposed me in my heart to go to Jerusalem and cast this. Yes, I'll be bound up, but I'm ready for that. Yes, I will die, but I am what? Ready for that too. When I look at this text about Paul and how he was truly aware of God's will, Kestis, he was aware of God's will because why? God has confirmed it up to this point in his life. Y'all catch that? Then we are taking a daily walk with the Lord. He will continually guide you to where he wants you to be. So when Paul came to that point, And I can see Paul being a spiritual-minded man, seeing this great, vivid demonstration of prophecy coming upon him that it could have gripped him and said, man, that's what's going to happen to me. But since God has consistently reminded him and shown him that this is what's going to happen, when Paul saw that, he was at peace and says, it's good and it's well with my soul. Many times in our lives, we are going to experience some gripping things in our lives. But when we are walking with the Lord, we can say it's well with my soul. Sickness may come. Death may come. Heartaches may come. But yet, as we're walking with the Lord, we can say it is well with my soul. How can it be well with my soul? Because Paul realized that it's not meant to make me happy, but that the Lord's will be done. See, that's the challenge that we have as Christians, that we have to look for his will be done, because the problem is that we as Christians have allowed our will to be what's been preached. We have people preaching how you should never get sick, and if you do get sick, you're a sinner. We have people preaching how you should be rich. If you're not rich, you're a sinner. And so people have bought in to this message that's a lie, that's speaking some other gospel, when the Word of God simply points out to us that this thing shall happen to you. You may die. You may get sick. You may suffer pain and heart, but it does not mean God is not with you. If Jesus can say this man was born blind so that God's glory can be revealed, can we not say, Lord, show me your glory? In times of pain, in times of hardness, in times of sickness, say, Lord, show me your glory. Because why, Lord, I rely on you. I I rely on you, Lord, because I know you know what's best for me. And since I rely on you, Lord, I worship you. I revere you. I welcome you here in this place. And I realize, Lord, it's not my will to be done. But your will be done. And I'm just going to close with this last example. Y'all know this example. His name is Jesus. Jesus relied on the Holy Spirit. He says, I only do what he tells me to do. And then, and then he revered him and says this, that if I don't do what he tells me, then they don't believe me. <laughs> but I do the words that he sent me. They came to him saying, good teacher, tell us how my brothers to split up my goods with me. He said, who's good but God? He revered, and then not only that, he renounced his own life. We're familiar in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was there suffering, asking his disciples, can y'all just pray with me a little while? <laughs> yeah, we got your back, Jesus. <laughs> They're sleeping back again. 
But Jesus goes a little bit further and praying and says, Lord, if this cup can pass over me. And what grits me that he's not, he didn't say it once. He said, he said it three times, but he said, Lord, <laughs> if this got to be the way, your will be done. Let's look at how we benefit from Paul's life. From Paul's life, we have some of our favorite memory verses. I am more than a conqueror. Who can separate from the love of God? I press on towards the mark of the higher calling. Uh, he can keep me in perfect peace. Uh, I cast all my cares on. Rejoice the Lord always. Again, I say uh, rejoice. We have we have those great verses that we say what? To now to the one who's able to, to do exceedingly and bunny beyond. We can ask or think or even imagine. These all come from Paul. But if it wasn't for Jesus, Paul could not say any of these things. So look what we get from Jesus. From Jesus, we have this since he relied on God, revered God, renounced his life. We found out on that Friday he died. Didn't he die? And they killed him. And and check this out. They made sure he died. They pierced him in the side. But the blood was still in. Said blood and water came out. They, They thought they had him down, so they put him in the ground. But three days later. He got it with all power in his hands. But look, look, look what Jesus says to us. He says to us that I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. I must go. So you might have the power of the Holy Ghost. The power of the Holy Ghost. Paul is familiar with this power because he says, do you not know? The same power that rose Christ from the grave is also in you. Paul was familiar with this power and castles. It was so, so, so good to him that Paul said, I want to know it more. I want to know the power of his resurrection. And from this power of the Holy Spirit, we now have through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, just as Paul did, you can now know what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. From your reliance on God, your reverence towards him, and renouncing of yourself, you can say, Holy Spirit, your will be done. So you see, if Christ can give up his life, if Paul can give up his life, and they all realized that giving up my life was worth nothing because everything I had was to gain and obedience to God, how much is your life worth? How much is your life worth? And when you start thinking about it, that Christ gave up his life so that she can have everlasting life, where you're trying to hold on to a life that is dead, Instead of embracing our life that is alive, let go of the flesh. Let go of your personal will. And say, Lord, what is thy will? And to know the Lord's will, you've got to rely on him, revere him, and renounce yourself. Every head bowed, every eyes closed. Lord, we come.